Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. podcast i'm your host zach guggenheim and i i can't believe that the first podcast that i'm coming back to there is breaking news happening here in the big 10 and across college football we'll get to that in a minute but before we do make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast whether it be apple google spotify make sure to follow us leave a review we'd love to hear your feedback and before I get started, I just want to say shout out to my brother, Chris Ebersol, getting married this morning or this afternoon. Congrats, brother. Proud of you. Uh, Chris is a, a frequent listener of the podcast. And so we just want to wish him a, a happy wedding day. But this is about Big Ten football, which, of course, Big Ten football means Southern California. So just to give you a little a little preamble and a little preview of where I was going to go, I had been plotting out when I was going to start and relaunch the pod, and I had two episodes lined up in my mind, and, and they'll be bounced to next Friday and the Friday, Friday after, where I was going to bring my all Big Ten team of, of the decade, so 2011 to 2020. And I have it all mapped out. I was going to do defense first and offense first. And I was getting ready to record and I log on to Twitter. And amazingly, I see that UCLA and USC are reported to be joining the Big Ten. Now, it's a report. Another report came out uh, just a little later that the Big Ten presidents would be voting on whether they would accept USC and UCLA. And so it seems like there's, there's very real smoke. John Wilner, who is, I believe, a West Coast uh, journalist out there, first reported it. And according to the, to the reports, this was pursued by USC and UCLA. The Big Ten was not planning on expanding but that when it's USC and UCLA, it's really hard to say no. That's, that's what the word on the, the street has been, or the word in, that's been going around the, the internet. So it really does seem, just judging from different sources, it's not some backwoods website that's saying USC and UCLA are joining. It's legitimate reporters, regi- legitimate journalists who are reporting this. And it seems like, at least as I am recording this, the vote is going on right now. I would imagine that it's going to go through because they're both 
uh, in the AAU, which every Big Ten school, I believe, except one is part of the AAU, which is an academic, uh, it's an academic achievement uh, affiliation for, for each of the schools in the Big Ten. It's something that USC and UCLA also has. So they're, they're well-recognized academically. And there's a lot more that I'll, I'll, I'll talk about in a minute, but I, I just wanted to sink in for a minute that we were going through the summer. We, we already had a lot going on. There's these NIL collectives that seem to be getting out of control. A lot of, a lot of calls for NIL regulation, a lot of stuff about the transfer portal, you know, as, as even as I'm starting to do my research for the, the preseason, it's just hard to keep track of all these players. And so I was just grateful because I thought, wow, there's not going to be a lot of maybe other headlines besides tracking the transfer portal and tracking NIL. Nope. No, no, no. Thank you very much. On the last day of June, we've got the biggest piece of news you could get with USC and UCLA possibly going to the Big Ten. And so what does this mean? And I, I don't think it's overstating it to say that this changes everything in the college football landscape. And I'll explain why. But it is an incredibly great move for the Big Ten. Now, before, before I get any further, it is terrible for Big Ten traditionalists. It is absolutely awful for traditionalists of college football. Because just if you if you grew up watching the you know three yards in a cloud of dust, loving the matchups of Ohio State versus Iowa or Michigan versus Minnesota, you know, the 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 upper tier teams, you know, Ohio State and Michigan and the little eight, all that stuff. If that's your your love and I and I love that I love the tradition of the Big Ten if you love the tradition of this it's terrible because this is not about regional uh supremacy anymore and it hasn't been for a while but it's kind of been masked as that right because you you have the Big Ten championship in Indianapolis you you're inviting a lot of the, the Midwestern flair in the conference, right? You're going from Iowa to Pennsylvania. But let's be clear that ever since 2014, this is not about region. It has been about one thing, and it's been about influence and power. And to get power influence, you need money. And so one of the, the shrewdest moves that Jim Delaney made back all the way back in 2014 was to bring in Rutgers of Maryland and they're, they're absolutely terrible teams, right? You know, bottom of the barrel programs, Maryland's a little bit better than Rutgers. And, and to be fair to them, they, I think they have done better. They they've tried to, to raise their profile a little bit, but let's, let's get one thing straight about Maryland and Rutgers. It's all, it was all about their market. It was all about New York City and Baltimore and DC. Because if you get the Big Ten network and TV contracts into New York City and Baltimore 
and Washington, D.C., you now all of a sudden have the three, three of the largest networks, three of the largest, largest cities tuning into your product. It was a brilliant move financially, terrible move competitively because Rutgers hasn't been competitive with Ohio State ever. Maryland's been com competitive with Ohio State once. And that's been true of with them and most Big Ten powers. And in fact, that's been true of them and most Big Ten mid-tier teams, right? They have, they have really struggled. But the markets have been a huge boon to, their, to the, the financial standing of the conference. And that's why Ohio State and Michigan don't really throw their weight around all that much because they know they got a sweet deal. They, they share money with everybody. And they're okay with that because you know what? They're making a lot of money. It's, it's the best conference in terms of financial standing, even better than the SEC. So what, what's, what's going to make the Big Ten better solidifying in that? And a lot of people have often thought, well, you know what's going to be better is to stay within the footprint, stay within the region. Well, Iowa State doesn't raise the needle. It's in the same state as Iowa right? So it's not going to raise the needle. And quite honestly, there's not a lot of people in Iowa. So it's, you're not adding anything financially. You're losing money at that point. Um, you could go get Cincinnati, but again, you're not getting anyone. Everybody in the state of Ohio at least has a secondary allegiance, if not a primary allegiance to Ohio State. And that, like, there's not many other schools. Like, are you going to poach Missouri from the SEC? And maybe, I doubt it. But again, that doesn't add a ton of things. Texas, a lot of people thought Texas and Oklahoma made sense, but they're going to the SEC. And so you lose the Texas market. Okay, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do about this? You go after the next biggest TV market. And if you're going to go to the East Coast and get Rutgers and get the New York City market, you might as well get the Los Angeles market. And that's what happened. It is the absolute best financial move for the Big Ten. Now, I, I do have questions about what this means for the smaller sports, because if you're telling me that, you know, the, the gymnastics team for USC is going to go to different meets in Ohio and in Pennsylvania and in New Jersey, you know, they're going to they're going to do that. I think it's, that might be a tough sell, but there is a reality that the sports that, that football and the TV contract for football will be a huge boon for all these schools, including USC and UCLA. And maybe, maybe that does enough to fund the smaller, the smaller sports. I don't know, but it is an incredibly great financial move for the big 10 one, because it captures the LA market Two, it positions them well for their next TV contract, because guess who's their biggest their biggest contract right now, it's Fox. And someone made the point on Twitter, I forget who it was, Fox is located in Los Angeles, at least Fox Sports is. They love USC. Like Colin Coward, that's all he talks about is USC. They love USC. It is brilliant for them. And it's going to add more money to the contract. And then third, it gives another traditional power in USC and it gives another 
upper to middle tier team in UCLA, particularly when UCLA is good, you know, it, it's, it's going to boost ratings because every year you're going to get a USC versus Ohio state or a USC versus Michigan or a USC versus Penn state. You're going to get a UCLA versus Michigan state. That's a fun matchup. Okay. A UCLA against Wisconsin. Those are fun matchups. And, and just, just to be clear, I'm assuming that USC and UCLA will be West schools. So you'll get them, get those high profile crossover games once in a while. So they won't get stale, but you're getting them and the rate, and you can rotate them because you have three top 15 caliber teams in Ohio state, Michigan and, and Penn state. And a, another, another one in Michigan state that, that is often in the top 25. So I, I think it's, it's great for the matchups. It's great for ratings. You have people tuning in all throughout the country. So it's the best financial move. Second thing about this, that, that really catches my attention. And I think it was Mike Golick Jr. Who made this point. This move forces Notre Dame to join the big 10 in the future. I believe that if Notre Dame has to join a conference, this is what's going to push them to the Big Ten over the ACC. The current agreement for Notre Dame is to be independent in football, but be in the ACC conference for everything else. And But for, for that to work, they do have to play six games with ACC schools. Now, they do have semi-decent rivalries with Boston College, Miami, and Pitt. They all have history with Notre Dame. And they still have enough non-conference slots to play kind of their chief rivals, USC, Navy, and Stanford. But here's the thing. Notre Dame's chief rival is USC. And Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue are all traditional rivals as well. And so if the arm, arms race continues, at some point, Notre Dame is going to have to join a conference to stay relevant. I'll get to that, that point later. But if it's between the ACC and the Big Ten, the Big Ten has bigger rivals, they have more stability, and they have better access to the playoff. This is, this is going to force Notre Dame to go to the Big Ten in the next, I think, 10 years. And so it really, it really helps the Big Ten attract the team that they have been trying to attract for the past like 40 years. So this, this move, whether it was intentional or not, this move unintention, either intentionally or unintentionally is going to bring Notre Dame to the Big Ten eventually. Third, at least in the short term, I think this is going to balance out the divisions. When, when they went east-west, I think they hoped Nebraska would at least stay a top 15 caliber team. That's been hilariously bad. And so you have Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota, and sometimes Northwestern prop, pops up there. And they've been really good. They've been, you know, at times top 10, top eight caliber teams, particularly Wisconsin has, has had some really, really good teams over the past 10 years. But they don't get the flash, the flashy guys like USC does. And, and even UCLA gets more of those flashier, speedier guys. And so you, you're going to get a little, a little bit more 
style with the substance. And so this is not me saying that Wisconsin is, is never going to make the big 10 championship game again, but if USC gets rolling, USC's ceiling is national championship, right? Like it's, I don't know if Wisconsin's ceiling is national championship unless if Alabama implodes and all of a sudden Wisconsin is able to pull in a few five-star caliber players. That's not the case with USC. USC just needs the right coach and the right recruiting. And USC getting to the Big Ten, I I don't know how that's going to impact things in terms of recruiting, but if Lincoln Riley can be uh, an excellent coach, which I think he is, you've got great talent in your backyard in Southern Cal. And UCLA can also give them that. And so this gives them a marquee brand in USC and a really good brand in UCLA. And it also gives them a program that can actually be really good really quickly. Unlike Nebraska, which is a marquee brand, but it's fallen off. And it's, it's one of the worst programs in the conference. So I think that's going to help. Uh, it also might inadvertently help Nebraska because now you have a pipeline state in California where you can recruit. I don't know if it'll actually help Nebraska, but Nebraska's still got a great fan base, great tradition. And I, I think if they have the pipelines, you know, before it was Texas, they can do some stuff. California might be a potential for them. Maybe not. It is Nebraska. It's it. There's not a ton to offer there still. Like in the nineties, you're like Nebraska football. This is amazing. And it was the homegrown uh, farmer boys who just beat you up. It, the, the game has changed a little bit. So I don't know if Nebraska can come, but that, that's what USC really gives them is that it really gives them a marquee team that when the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Penn States, the Michigan States, when they're at their top, USC can come in and also be a team that's playoff caliber that can play, play you in the, in the conference championship game. Um, fourth, the Pac-12, like the Big 12, is in a lot of trouble. I said this when we we saw that Oklahoma and Texas was leaving for the SEC. Who's the flagship program? Who's the anchor program in the Pac-12? Oregon, I'll say this, Oregon's a little different. I think the Pac-12 could survive more than the Big 12 in this sense. Oregon has much more national appeal. Right. You look at the Big 12, it's, you know, Oklahoma State. It's the second it's the second rate team in Oklahoma. No, if, if you're a Pokes fan, I'm sorry, but I'm just being honest. Iowa State. Eh, right. Like their their tradition isn't great. Baylor. Eh, you know, it's the third best school in Texas, the fourth. You know, to Texas and Texas A&M. You know, you just don't have an anchor, not even an anchor school in a state, let alone in the conference. Oregon has some national appeal. Utah is, is, is becoming, is an up and coming program. Arizona state, you know, has some, you know, has some nice things to it. You know, Colorado, if they ever kind of got, you know, got rolling, 
But there's there's no program right now that you would say, oh yeah, they could carry a conference. Not, not like USC. And, and Oregon, as flashy as they are, and you know, they have great years. They're also they're inconsistent. They 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 haven't had a lot of runs of being at the top of the conference. They've had a couple recently, but that's it. And, and that's the problem. You don't have an anchor program right now. And, and here's the other problem with Oregon is they're in transition. Dan Lanning came over from Georgia. It's not, he's not an established coach. Like what if, what if they go six and six this year? Like that, that's a real issue for the PAC 12 right now. They have no program that gives them real stability. Like USC is, is the program that gives them stability, which is why as they've been down, the Pac-12 as a whole has been down. And so even if the Big 12 and Pac-12 merged, it wouldn't matter because all they have are really a bunch of mid to lower tier teams. And, and you know, once in a while you get a team that might have a Cincinnati type run, but that's it. So I, I think the Pac-12, they're probably a decade away from closing up shop maybe even just six years, but I think, I think they're in a lot of trouble similar with big, the big 12 fifth. Uh, the Alliance is dead. That's a kind of a dust statement. If you're like, what's the Alliance, it was that thing that Gene Smith just talked about like two weeks ago saying, Oh yeah, the the Alliance is, is a thing. Big 10 PAC 12 ACC. We're going to have an Alliance. Yeah. And the big 10 just stabbed the PAC 12 in the back <laughs> With, with the uh, appearance of an alliance. Yeah, let's just take the Pac-12's best programs. Yeah, the alliance is dead. It is very dead. So six, the power five is in a lot of trouble. It's, it's going to die a very slow death. And, and this is, I was getting to this with the Pac-12 and the Big 12. I, I think if you look out there, what, like, what major power players in college football are still out there. Like what are the major players like other than in the SEC or the Big 10 or at least committed to them because remember this isn't in until t- at least 2024. But what what teams are out there right now? Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Oregon, maybe Virginia Tech. Notre Dame, obviously, but I mean, those are, they, they have maybe a little bit of sway BYU, SMU, Cincinnati, they don't count. They, they, they have virtually no sway in the college football landscape in terms of power. Right. So, and if you think about even the teams I mentioned, Clemson, Florida state, aside from Notre Dame, all of them are very much new school programs like Clemson. Clemson was not anything special until this past decade. I mean, they were known for Clemsoning, which was blowing big games. That was their claim to fame. And so, you know, Florida State has had good runs and then they go to mediocrity. Miami hasn't been relevant for like 20 years. It's, I mean, Florida State or uh, Oregon, again, we talked about earlier. And so Notre Dame, and even Notre Dame, you know, they have clout, but they haven't been, they haven't beaten the elite team. And 
their coach just left for a team that has won a national championship, which should tell you something. And that's not to say that Notre Dame's they're in the second tier easily, right? Like there's the elite tier, which is like three or four programs. And then there's a second tier. And right now, nobody is in, nobody that's in the elite or sorry, let me, how do I say this? Everybody that's in the elite tier is in the big 10 or, or the sec. And most teams in the second tier are either in the sec or the big 10. And then you have these smatterings of schools everywhere else. And, and here's, here's where I think what I'm, I think we're going is the power five. So the SEC, big 12, big 10, PAC 12, ACC. I think it's going to dissolve into two conferences. I think it's gonna be very much like an NFL model. You're going to have a Northern Western conference and a, a Southern Atlantic conference, each with about 20 to 25 teams, maybe four to six divisions each division winner will go to a playoff and then some wild cards. And then we have the college equivalent of the Super Bowl. And they're going to do it through the SEC and the Big Ten. Like those are the foundations. Those are the foundational conferences. Um, so that's, I think that's where we're going. And for the the tradition, college football traditionalists, I'm sorry. Um, but I think that's where we're headed, especially with NIL, especially with, the transfer portal it's becoming more and more likely that this is where we're going and it, it i think they'll probably distance themselves from the ncaa in the in the process uh whether seven whether it wasn't his intention or not kevin warren just made the smartest movie could have made um the sec has been one step ahead of everybody they have honestly kind of been sinister um and i think this is this is the move that a conference had to make to stay relevant and it's the move that made the most sense it's it's a move that makes sense for the big 10 i don't know if it makes sense for anybody else because it's california california to all the midwest states i'm not saying it makes sense geographically but in terms of where the sport's going, I think it's the smartest move you could make. It's going to get the most bang for your buck. Uh, eight, in the short term, the coaching matchups are phenomenal. Like in two years, in 2024, you could have Chip Kelly versus Ryan Day, mentor versus student. You could have Lincoln Riley versus Ryan Day, the two hottest offensive minds in college football. In two years, you could have Jim Harbaugh old school khaki pants against chip kelly like i mean just the matchups are great from a coaching perspective and then last but not least and and, and i'll say this i've already kind of mentioned this and hinted at this if lincoln riley turns usc around i think we are looking at a cross-conference rivalry similar to alabama and georgia at least in the short term of the arms race and so in the next, from 2024 to 2034, you know, maybe that the 10 years, and I, I would imagine things, the landscape's going to shift sooner that, than that. But until the landscape shifts again, 50% of the time, the Big Ten title game, until Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day move on, 50% of the time, the Big Ten championship game is going to be USC at Ohio State. Because nobody's recruiting at their level. 
not Michigan, not Penn State, not Nebraska, not Iowa, although Iowa just did pick up a really, really good recruit in Caden Proctor, uh, five-star offensive tackle. But that is going to be the matchup that you see, and it's no longer going to be a, a Rose Bowl matchup. It's going to be a Big Ten championship matchup with a playoff spot on the line. At least, I would say at least 50%. And for those who are excited about the lesser teams getting there, that, that is a, you know, I think a struggle because you lose the opportunity to get Iowa there, to get Wisconsin there. But I think in terms of competitive uh, fire and highly watched games, it's an incredible thing. And I'm not saying I'm all for it. I I have reservations about this, but I I think there is a lot of value. There's certainly a lot of monetary value in this play by the Big Ten and by USC and UCLA. That's, those are all my thoughts. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys think. So leave a review. Uh, make sure to follow us on Apple and Google and Spotify. Again, this is the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. We are going to be starting back up once a week, Friday mornings, up until we get to the college football season. And then I'll probably transition us to, to Thursday mornings. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. I am so excited to get back to the grind here. Again, this is Zach Guggenheim signing off. Take care. God bless.